Do you know the meaning and history of the word religion? Well, you might answer, well, that's a system of faith, isn't it? And that is correct, according to Webster. But the, the original place where this word came from, same place where we got our word ligament, matter of fact, which means to tie or fasten, as in our arm, it, it connects muscle to muscle or muscle to bone, a ligament does, and it just means connector or a binding together. So when you put a re in front of ligament, re-ligament or religion, uh, what does it mean? It has the idea of reconnecting. So when it comes down to the practice of religion, what is trying to reconnect? Well, I think we already have uh, an understanding of this. We're trying to reconnect with God. And thus the rest of the Bible is showing man through the ages of how to reconnect with God. The very first example of religion we find in the Bible of trying to reconnect with God is in Genesis chapter 4. Beginning with verse 1, it says, Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, and this time his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought, that, that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Notice there's no adjectives there to describe the quality of his offering. Well, verse 4 says, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. Did you notice the double level process of quality selection that he used? The firstborn and of their fat? Well, it says, The Lord respected Abel and his offering, and he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. And if you read on, you find out he went out and killed his brother. So why did God respect Abel's offering more than Cain's? Well, Abel gave the best of the best, and Cain just offered something, going through the motions. And so God was not pleased with Cain's effort. Do people still do the same thing today? And is God still just as disappointed in the practice that may go on like that today? Well, yes. Don't you know people that just kind of go through the motions of religion and really do not mean it? So is it possible to go through a process of worship or practice of religion and it not please God? Well, here's the very first example of religion being practiced in the Bible, and one was pleasing to God and one was not. So that's very clearly possible. So why doesn't God just program us to worship and serve him instinctively? Could he not just snap his fingers and give us all love potion to fall down to worship him three times a day? Well, yeah, I guess he, he could do anything he wanted to. So why doesn't he do that? Wouldn't that be so much simpler? Well, he's given us a free will, you might say. Yeah, and that's right. He has given us a free will, but why? Why has he allowed us to choose? Why does he want us to make up our own mind about that? Wouldn't it be so much easier to just to program us or to compel us or to drug us? Well, I think the answer could be found in a one-word answer. The answer, 
I believe is revealed in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8, where we have another three-word description of God, where it says, God is love. Think about it. How is love given and received? For example, in courtships, doesn't love grow through a series of selfless actions, kind deeds, and many sacrificial investments of time and energy? And love grows, hearts connect, and loving relationships develop. So what if we gave a love potion to our future spouse on the very first date and we drugged them to fall in love with us? Would we consider that fulfilling? Well, well, no, because we drug them to do this. So, we can understand that love, in order to be fulfilling, must be freely given. And so, it is with God. We have a choice to love Him or not love Him. And He will not compel us to do either one. So, if we can understand this, does not God understand this, who is the very personification of love? For God is love, 1 John 4 and verse 8. So, you might ask, what has God done to win our hearts or to woo us to love Him? What should make us attracted to Him or to love God? Well, what is it that makes people, you know, be attracted to people today? Well, certainly looks are one thing that catches people's eye, does it not? I looked across the store the very first time I saw my wife, and, and her beauty caught my eye immediately. So have you ever wondered, was Jesus a good-looking man? Is that what attracted people to him to follow after him? Well, I think we can find the answer to that in, in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53 where it says, Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. So, was Jesus a good-looking specimen of manhood? Well, no, not according to what we just read. Would he even have stood out in a lineup of men to where that one, yeah, yeah, that one right there has to be the Son of God? Well, no, there was nothing to single him out as more attractive. So was there anything about his physique that attracts us to him? And again, the answer to that is no. So it wasn't looks. You know, there's another thing that attracts people to other people today. That is popularities, popularity. The idea of stars, uh, movie stars, or, or football stars, politicians. For example, remember the football players, uh, the quarterback in particular in high school, or the cheerleaders? They were so popular, weren't they? So it may be that uh, uh, he had a following because of his popularity. But let's read the next verse. The very next verse, it says, he was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. So was Jesus the popular man on the block? No way. So what should cause us to fall in love with him? Well, let's read on. Surely he has borne our 
griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. 